Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Can we do it for the pod? Do it for the pod. Oh, yeah. Welcome to another week of what is turning out to be a pretty entertaining summer in the smartphone industry in Canada. This is Syrupcast, and last week Rogers bore the brunt of the blame in what the CRTC calls unjust discrimination against new entrants in regards to domestic roaming. The issue at hand is exclusivity. Rogers is accused of forcing new entrants like Wind, Mobilicity, Eastlink, and others to sign exclusivity agreements for domestic roaming, preventing them from negotiating with other service providers and thus keeping prices high. While the CRTC has not yet made a decision on whether it will regulate the price of domestic roaming outside of uh, preventing incumbents from charging new entrants more than their existing customers, the move bodes well for companies looking to expand service at reasonable cost. We'll delve deep into these issues and more in week seven of the Syrupcast, and Doug will regale us with his opinion of Guardians of the Galaxy, because he originally asked me to go with him and then dumped me to take a girl instead. And no, I'm not bitter. This is Syrupcast's domestic roaming Appalooza. Let's go. Doug, how are you, sir? Do it for the pod. I, the best part about that was that the Guardians of the Galaxy thing was actually written into the intro. That was not an ad lib. And yes, I did choose a uh, a lovely lady um, from Tinder to take to Sunday <laughs> 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 matinee of Guardians of the Galaxy. So there's a lot of levels to that. Um, but uh, yeah, Rogers is not doing it for the pod. And as I look at our list of news to talk about this week, I was just got so angry and sad that, you know, it has been an exciting summer, but we're a little bit in the, I don't know if it's the, the dog days, but good. Oh, I just want to, just, just want to so strangle a carrier. Yeah. Okay, don't strangle a carrier, but let's talk instead about how Rogers has been strangling other carriers. So, basically, on July 31st, Rogers was accused by the CRTC, not accused, the CRTC found... Rogers engaged in unjust discrimination. Now, there's a difference there because an accusation is something that is not not yet proven or it's not yet uh, backed up in fact. But they found through a bunch of uh, you know a, a bunch of research and 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 you know complaints by the new entrants that uh, this unjust unjust discrimination and undue preference was uh, was keeping prices high. So yeah. if the roads don't fit, you must acquit. But the roaming fit. <laughs> the roaming fit really well for Rogers. Now, okay, so there's a lot of angles here. Basically, um, at the time that these exclusivity agreements were signed, Rogers was the only GSM carrier capable of providing domestic roaming service. Now, let's give a little bit of background as to what domestic roaming is. So 
when you're on Wind or Mobilicity or Eastlink or Videotron, these companies don't really provide national service. So mm -hmm. when you go out of an area that they provide service in, it's called their away network, and they roam on another carrier inside Canada. So that's called domestic roaming, which contrasts with international roaming, which is where you're on Rogers, and then you go to Buffalo to buy a really expensive purse, and uh, you roam on like AT&T or T-Mobile. So that's a difference. Um, and what the CRTC found was that Rogers, in order to give these companies some... I guess a break in pricing said that you can't negotiate with any other businesses. So once Bell and Telus launched their HSBA Plus networks in 2010, they these carriers couldn't then go to one of them and say, "Okay, Rogers is giving us X dollars per megabyte. Can you give us any better?" So that's kind of why it wasn't possible to roam on 3G in any other parts of the country when you're on Winter Mobilicity because Rogers just wasn't giving them a good deal and they weren't allowed to negotiate with Bell or TELUS to do the same. Now, I'm pretty sure that's called uh, anti-competitive uh, practices, but uh, what do well, you think? Yeah, so there, there's that though, but then there's also, I think, part of the ruling as well was that uh, Rogers is not going to be allowed to charge more than they would charge... They're not going to be allowed to charge a carrier more than they would charge a customer for this, right? But that's not so, just Rogers. That was a decision that was passed by the CRTC earlier. Well, it wasn't passed by the CRTC. It was basically amended into the Telecommunications Act, which is a stopgap to the CRTC regulating the exact same thing. It's a kind of a weird cockamamie scheme that they have going on. But mm -hmm. the government works with the CRTC and vice versa to pass law and to enact regulation uh, and I guess right now it's cheaper for these carriers to negotiate with with any of the cheaper for, for these carriers to negotiate with any of the incumbents because they're not allowed to charge uh, them any more than they would charge their customer for domestic roaming. Does that make sense? Um, none of this makes sense. <laughs> so because I think I, I think as you correctly pointed out here that you know. Shout out to the CRTC for continuing to be diligent with things like this. Um, you know, as Ontarians, this isn't necessarily something that we deal with on the regular, but it affects quite a few people. And I think we're going to get to the, um, the the Bell News later about how how just egregious and disappointing uh, local roaming can be. But I think that one of the things that you highlighted in your original piece was that. Um, the, the outcome of this decision might be is is a little up in the air because there's concern that now this will allow um, carriers like Bell Rogers and Telus to get really discounted roaming in areas where they're actually not available. Yeah. Which, so which might impede um, their I guess their plans to to really fully cover a province. Um, beyond the you know the two or three cities necessary to say to get you know eighty percent of the penetration, um, so you would actually have, um, as in the case with uh, you know Manitoba, people on like paying domestic roaming for just living, not in Winnipeg. <laughs> well, well, yeah. So that's that's exactly what has been going on um, in for Telus and Bell. So Bell and Telus have a joint network, and that's something that we need to. 
remember is that Bell and Telus share their infrastructure. They share their spectrum. They share their towers. Bell generally builds on the east, and Telus generally builds on the west. And in Ontario, they come together and they build together, and then they share. Now that's not a fact. That Telus does build in in the Maritimes, and Bell obviously has their own towers in in British Columbia and Alberta. But for the most part, Telus has a a wider um, service offering. But what's happening here is that Bell um, and Telus now have the opportunity to negotiate with companies like Eastlink and Mobilicity and Wind and T-Baytel and all these companies, these regional carriers or these new entrants that before just were not getting a good, you know, a shake. Mm -hmm. um, they they weren't able to competitively offer uh, d data services, especially data services, uh, outside of their own home areas. So um, still today, Wynn doesn't offer 3G service outside of their home area. They still offer only Edge, which is 2G, in places that they can't uh, provide their own towers. Yeah, which is and I think there was something stupid slow. Yeah, you didn't mention before is that it's not only just the pricing uh, competition. It's if the exclusive exclusivity deal would lock carriers into certain levels of data bandwidth technology because they wouldn't be able to go outside that and provide anything more, right? So um, you, you have a situation with wind where they're just, you know, what's one of the main complaints about wind service? Is you get outside of the core and you're stuck with, you know, data rates that are not applicable to, or data speeds that are not applicable to 2014, right? Right, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, on one hand, Wind has been really aggressively rolling out dual carrier or dual cell HSPA plus service in their home network areas. So in places like Toronto, Ottawa, Calgary, um, and Vancouver and Victoria, they have much faster speeds, double the speeds that they did this time last year. Mm -hmm. But they don't have LTE yet, and that we'll get to that later. But what they do have is they have really good speeds inside their service areas, and then the second you leave, the second you go to Oakville or you know the edge of um, Pickering or you know up north when you hit Major Mac, and I'm talking about Toronto here because I'm not familiar with the localities of other cities because I'm a Toronto boy. So think think generally 45 minutes outside of the downtown Toronto core. Yeah, more or less. I mean, yeah. you know, and, and that's too bad because you can make phone calls and you can send texts, but the second you want to look up a, you know, a uh, a website or, or even listen to a song, the bandwidth just isn't there anymore because Rogers is only offering them 2G service. Mm -hmm. um, and on the one hand, it's been good for Wynn because they've been able to say, we have a national network. If you need to make a phone call while you're in the middle of the, you know, the Trans-Canada Highway on your way to Winnipeg, you can do so because Rogers offers that service. Yes, but um, the customer, yeah, it's, it's, it's there for the brand, but if the, if the customers at the end of the day don't believe it, and they they know that wind only really works when you're downtown. I'm sure it's been impeding um, churn to wind. Oh, it's been it's been the major reason why wind doesn't have more customers. I mean, people don't generally stay in their own service area, and I mean there are other technical issues that have prevented wind from growing as quickly as they would want to. For example, limiting them to AWS spectrum means that they don't really have the penetration inside buildings that Rogers and Bell have, Rogers, Telus, and Bell. But 
on the domestic roaming side, now Wind will offer unlimited 3G domestic roaming by the end of the year. That's something that Tony Lacavera, the chairman of Globalive and um, one of the kind of heads of, of Wind Mobile Canada, promised me. He said that even if domestic roaming isn't regulated by the end of this year, and it probably won't be, it'll probably take until next March, next April, after the two Spectrum auctions, mm -hmm. even if it doesn't actually take, it will still be cheaper because of all this this preemptive stuff. Rogers and Bell and Telus are getting getting ahead of the regulation by offering better pricing. So we've seen this from um, we've seen this from MTS and Rogers offering Bell better service in Manitoba, and we'll mm -hmm. get to that in a second. But one of the more interesting ones is Eastlink, and Eastlink is a new is a new entrant that launched in 2013, um, and they're owned they're they're owned by the Bragg family, so they're a, a private company. They don't really offer anything other than kind of technology services. So they have a home home phone, they have internet, uh, and now they have an LTE network. But they were roaming on Rogers, it seemed, and now they have an, a unique network partner, which means that they've probably supplemented Rogers' coverage with Bell and Telus in the area to, to, to fill in the gaps where their previous domestic roaming couldn't reach. Mm -hmm. So now they're basically blanketing the entire Maritimes at super cheap rates, and uh, they are able to do it without revealing who their domestic partner is for strategy reasons, but this is a really big deal. Yeah, if, if you live on the East Coast, it's, it's, it's going to be huge, right? Um, uh, and, and it's amazing that it's taking till now for them to be able to use their phone wherever. And if, you, if we want to jump to the, the Bell News, you know, by contrast in uh, Manitoba, just the news that Bell kind of trying to get ahead of uh, the game here is that they're going to stop charging uh, their their customers domestic roaming within the province, mm -hmm. um, which is great for their customers because their their service is relatively limited in Manitoba to the peg. Shout out to the peg uh, and then <laughs> surrounding regions. Um, it's it's insane that they were charging their customers anyways <laughs> to have to use cellular service in their province. Like the, this this was a this was isn't a case where in, instead of increasing uh, their coverage, Bell was charging their customers to roam in places where they were unwilling to provide service. So you have you have these. Um, I guess two contrasting acts, and, and I'm wondering if you know all of this is tied together. If this really relates to, uh, and we talked about this last week a bit, the the hearing that's going to be happening in September on the uh, competitive state of the wireless market. If the carriers are trying to get certain ducks in a row to make a case, a better case that either competition is either there or that there's. Uh, less impediments upon service and pricing for customers. Uh, like, do, you, do you feel that this is potentially PR related with the, the Bell thing? Or like, how do you feel that they're, the, the big three carriers are approaching this upcoming um, public hearing? I think, you're, I think you're absolutely right. So what's, what's interesting to me 
is that Bell doesn't really have a presence in Manitoba. So mm -hmm. I spoke to Ben Class, and he's a uh, He's very knowledgeable. He lives in, in, in like rural Manitoba, um, and he's the guy who you know, gained fame um, for filing a complaint against Bell for their, for their anti-net neutrality policies by allowing um, their own customers to, uh, to, have, to not have their Bell TV bandwidth count against their monthly data allotment. Mm -hmm. So there's currently a, 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 a complaint going through uh, the CRTC um, in regards to that, and um, he told me that Bell doesn't really have a huge presence there. He said there's about one million customers um, overall in in Manitoba, um, and one million wireless customers in Manitoba. So I don't think Bell really has a lot of market share to make up. But what they do want to do is they want to make sure that a customer who moves to Manitoba is not basically out of luck when they roam anywhere outside of the, the greater Winnipeg area. And, you know, Rogers and MTS, and MTS is a regional carrier like SaskTel that has a pretty big presence, and they built up their own network uh, to some extent, and then they partnered with Rogers to fill in the gap. So Rogers and MTS have a joint partnership for both HSPA Plus and LTE connectivity in areas that Bell and Telus just cannot and don't care to reach. Um, I mean, we're talking like super rural Manitoba where the population density is just ridiculously low. Yeah, so, that, but that's the point right there where, you know, where there could be coverage, but Bell doesn't care to reach. So They don't have the band, they don't have the spectrum. They, okay. It's important that they don't, it's, it's not so much that they don't care to reach it, it's that they don't own the spectrum necessary to roll out a wide uh, LTE network in those areas. So it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily... I mean, it's probably both. I think that they, if, if they had wanted to bid on the spectrum in the first place, they could have, but they didn't. Um, but on the other hand, it's just it's not it's not the return on investment would be too low. So, do, going this route, especially when you mentioned that exact thing that they're putting their ducks in a row, they're offering Rogers is going to say, "Oh, we gave Bell a really great deal on domestic roaming." I mean, look at us; we're benevolent. And Bell's going to say, hey, now we worked with one of our major competitors because we compete with them all the time. Compete, compete, compete. And you know, just a side note, um, Bell and TELUS, this is, today's August 7th, Bell and TELUS uh, put out their Q2 earnings results today. And mm -hmm. peppered throughout their earnings results were competitive market, competitive market, lower results based on competitive market, higher prices, two-year contracts, lower, you know, it's just like, it seems like they're they're saying it's a it's a hugely competitive market, but because we were able to charge more money, uh, and this goes back to our argument last month or last week, uh, we were actually able to earn more money. So both of them earned higher profit and higher revenue from their mobile uh, divisions, but they both complained that the domestic market was so competitive that uh, they couldn't it, earn more money. Yeah, it impeded them. Yeah, so. You know, just going back to this, like you know, Bell is definitely going to spin this agreement, and I understand them not wanting to put towers there. The problem is that they were passing off a cost of their, like a, a strategic disinterest to them onto the customer. This was something that if you were a a Bell customer in uh, Manitoba, you had to pay to use Bell service across Manitoba. And that, that's something that you might understand if you, say, are an Eastlink customer on the East Coast or you're using one of the regional 
carriers and you signed up with a smaller service that is that is local to you and maybe you're you're traveling around and you you realize that there's going to be roaming there but when you're when you're with a national carrier and they're charging you while you're in your province to for data access I think that's insane and I also think what you mentioned in the the releases today where they're saying the, the market is so competitive that we're seeing these results that are somehow allowing us to be more profitable than ever but impeding our profits um, so we're, we're happy with where we are but we're not too happy um, I'm wondering what position this puts the CRTC in so we talked last week about was it last week or maybe the week before about the the upcoming spectrum auctions and the ability to uh, what regional carriers will be allowed at like a first uh, right of first refusal to uh, expand their their services mm-hmm. and we have um, this upcoming public hearing in September uh, following uh, the CRTC's latest announcement that they found that Roger was doing any competitive practices. In, in both instances, we're seeing the CRTC being fairly aggressive in terms of trying to maintain some sort of order uh, or, or break through the kind of hegemony. But concerns that um, there might be unintended consequences to their actions or maybe they're not going uh, far enough. So I'm wondering is... We, we know how the carriers are going to uh, are approaching this. Uh, this is something that we've kind of been tracking for a few podcasts now. How do you feel that either um, the CRTC or the companies like Wind and Videotron are going to be approaching the September hearings in terms of what they want to get out of it and how they are publicly publicly going to present because I remember you know our, I think our second podcast when we had Ian on I asked I asked you guys uh, you know what wind would be saying a year from now and you both kind of deferred but it, it seems as though things have kind of narrowed in now um, that there's a legitimate goal in September to try and come out with even if it's just a change in positioning to kind of restructure how the CRTC focuses its its next six months because if the the big three can present that there really is competition in the state of the wireless market in Canada, which is just insane. Um, the CRTC might have a, a weaker mandate to kind of push forward for a uh, a fourth national carrier or to be less aggressive in in these findings and controlling. And I, I would be very concerned by that. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that. In this um, in this report, in the decision regarding wholesale um, domestic roaming, uh, what the CRTC is is not a partisan body. I mean, they're they're not supposed to be pushing for a certain agenda, but they are supposed to be falling in line with with government policy. So the government, the current government policy, as stated over and over by James Moore, industry minister, is that they want to make it more, they want to make the market more conducive to a fourth carrier across the country in every region. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a section here called consistency with the policy direction, and the policy direction is capitalized. And we talk about how um, the commission considers the prohibitive exclusive ro- roaming wholesale agreements is efficient and proportionate to its purpose 
and interferes with the operation of market forces to the minimum extent necessary to meet the policy objectives stated above. And the policy objectives um, are CRTC's policy objectives, but what they're trying to do is they're working with the Telecommunications Act, which is clear in its in its interest to push um, the the ongoing kind of competition in in Canada. So, what I find so interesting is that this decision was meant to it was meant to uh, make it as non uh, disruptive as possible in the Canadian wireless market, while ensuring that the uh, while ensuring that competition is more or less um, increased. So that's why they didn't make any wider claims. This like with this decision, the claims were were not that Rogers was engaging in undue discrimination or, or uh, unjust practices for every part of its wireless um, domestic roaming policies or that its prices were too high, but that the exclusivity itself was at fault here. And that's really all they can do because, as you said, if Rogers, um, if the CRTC starts regulating domestic roaming rates, this could actually advantage Rogers Bellantelis in areas where they don't have service. And that's a big problem because then Sasktel and MTS and all these other carriers and video, even Videotron um, would, would be able to, you know, if there are areas of the country where Rogers, Telus, and Bell don't cover, they could just go up to these new entrants and say, hey, we want, to give, we want you to, sh to lend us service from your tower. And uh, by the way, you can't charge us more than X dollars per megabyte or X cents per megabyte. It can, it can, it can really garret the regional carriers, and that's that's concern. And then, and then you know, maybe Bell for now is is not pushing the cost off to their customers, but that could change. So I, I completely agree that you're right, that the, the CRTC has taken, like, the most Canadian of approaches, very measured, very focused, uh, not kind of uh, blanket statements, they're they're slowly trying to prod the situation with a stick towards their intended goals. I guess my the the question that I'm trying to get to is 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 this? Do you think that this is going to have an impact? What what do we expect from a September hearing, and what do we expect the carriers to do in in, in the month uh, leading up to that to to make their case? Because as I look at the numbers, I know we want to talk about. Uh, you know, Videotron's LTE launch, but we're also looking at, they're now at 550,000. Uh, 550, uh, and recently, I think, actually just yesterday, we talked about Wynn now having uh, just under 750,000. So we're looking at, you know, we've talked about possible mergers before, at 1.3 million subs. Still, yeah, they'd like, still be tiny. Tiny in comparison to even... Uh, what the third place would be, I guess, probably Bell at just under eight million. Right, right. So, okay, so let's go back to what we were talking about. Um, Videotron obtained some really important 700 megahertz spectrum in the uh, in the auction earlier this year, but they're not going to do anything with it until the CRTC regulates domestic roaming rates. Mm -hmm. And they say that even if the limitation is for carriers to charge their 
the the carriers, the other carriers, um, less than or the same as what they charge their customers for domestic roaming. That's still too much. They want wholesale rates the same way that Tech Savvy and Akanak and all these companies have today in the uh, DSL and cable internet space. And I don't think that until those changes have actually come into effect, Videotron's going to do anything with their uh, with their national network. So they're launching an LTE network in Quebec where they have uh, 700 megahertz spectrum because that's that's what they did as well. In addition to buying spectrum in Ontario, British Columbia, and Alberta, they purchased uh, the same block in Quebec. So they're using that uh, to launch an LTE network, which is fantastic for their 550,000 customers. But uh, wind is also at that same point where they can't really grow unless they get more spectrum. So it's a chicken or egg scenario because Videotron has to make a decision about what they want to do with wind or mobility before they can bid on the set-aside spectrum that the government has set aside for new entrants in the AWS 3 auction. Now, the AWS 3 auction is really interesting because it's pretty much the same type of spectrum as what was auctioned in 2008. It's the same kind of spectrum that wind and Mobilicity and Videotron run on today. And it's the same spectrum that Rogers, Bell, and Telus launched their LTE networks on. So at the same time as wind and Mobilicity launched their HSPA Plus networks, the incumbents use that same spectrum to launch LTE. So there's great potential here for interoperability. Uh, we just don't know how the band plans are going to play out. Now, that's pretty technical, but what it means is that if there's an agreement as to how the AWS 3 spectrum can be incorporated into uh, current devices, there's a chance that it would work with AWS with devices that currently run on AWS. So we're talking about um, for LTE and for HSPA Plus. Uh, without getting a little, without getting too technical, just do it. No one listening to this podcast is expecting anything less than the most technical. And if if you came to this podcast wanting like the latest leaks of device screenshots, <laughs> you came to the wrong <laughs> podcast. So let's let's give them a real deal. Okay, so the way it works is that um, band four is is considered AWS one, and it takes a, a, a swath of spectrum in both the 1700 and 2100 megahertz range. Now, it's the lower range of each one, and what it does is it uses one for outgoing transmissions and one for incoming transmissions, and uh, that way they don't get in each other's way, and it's pretty efficient, and this this is an established band plan that is the same across the U.S. and Canada. So as far as I know, no other countries use AWS for HSPA or LTE. But T-Mobile uses it for HSPA for for they use it for HSPA plus and they still do in some areas. They they're currently using it for LTE in many areas, uh, and both AT and T and Verizon use AWS for their LTE networks in certain parts of the U.S. So it's, interoperability is definitely possible uh, with existing handsets. The only thing that they haven't decided is how they're going to bring AWS three, which is as I said part of 1700 and 2100, but it's a different block of spectrum in that same region, because obviously you have 100 megahertz between 1700 and 1800, and 100 megahertz between 2100 and 2200. Uh, We don't know how that's going to be combined into one, if it's going to be a separate band, or whether they're going to take that spectrum and just combine it into this overarching band 4, 
or whatever band number that they choose, and they're going to call it just AWS like they currently I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We do. We don't know because America, because the U.S. hasn't auctioned off AWS 3 either. So we're actually, Canada's going to be auctioning off AWS 3 around the same time as the U.S. And this is the first time that that's ever happened because... um, AWS was was auctioned in the U.S. before the Canadians uh, did it, and 700 megahertz was auctioned way before the Canadians did it. So when Canada had to adopt that same band plan, they just said, okay, well, the U.S. is going to do it one way. We're just going to copy them. And they did for the most part. And as we said before, maybe copying the U.S. is not the best way to go. So if uh, if you kind of blacked out there for a moment while Daniel was talking, I think there's, there's two strong takeaways. First being... The next time you complain about a dropped call, just reconsider the magic, like the Doctor Who level magic that is required for any sort of data to fly through the air to your phone at all times. Second, all the cards are there for this to play out the way that the Canadian government and Canadian consumers in the interest of competition want. It's a matter of in what order the cards play for this to happen. And I want to go back to something you said in terms of uh, Videotron's hopes, because this is this is also another story that's kind of happening at the, the U.S. level in a different way, where Videotron's essentially hoping that uh, cellular data and telephony is treated as a utility in the same way that, um, I guess, we want to say hard-lined Internet is. They're, they're, they want to essentially pay the, the, the flat bulk fee for, for the, the data pipes. Are, are you confident? Do you think that that's going to happen? Is, is it even possible to, to speculate on that? Is, is that the first card that needs to fall for this to follow? And do you see it coming? Yeah, okay, so I think that the the Canadian government knows that there are only a few possible players here. So Wynn's parent company, Vimplecom, doesn't really want to invest more in Canada because they can't take full ownership over Wind Mobile. As per the Canadian government, for security reasons, mm-hmm. the, the bid for, for uh, majority ownership was denied. So even though the government said, and they changed their policy a couple of years ago to say that Foreign ownership rules um, under for carriers under 10% national market share were lifted, meaning that a, theoretically a company like Vimplecom could take ownership over um, over WinMobile, or that was the reason that all the companies freaked out last summer over Verizon entering Canada. Um, that wasn't allowed on security grounds, so they said one thing and then they did something else, and it was a big big mess up because they also denied um, the Nakib Sawiris's company uh, who he used to own WinMobile and then he sold it over to Vimplecom. He made a bid or his, his I guess, um, holdings company 
made a bid to purchase all stream from MTS uh, last year, and that was also denied by the government on security grounds. So what the hell? We don't know what's going to happen. So the thing is, the government says one thing and then it does another. We don't know whether it's going to be consistent in its rulings. Well, I think it's more that the government says a lot of things and that those policies, individual policies, can conflict in a way that, you know, in the, sh in the short term they all make sense, but in, in for specific cases it, it creates um, points of tension for certain things to happen. But, sorry, continue. No, 100%, and, and you're absolutely right. But my, my major issue with this is that uh, Videotron is waiting for the government to, or for the CRTC to regulate domestic roaming rates until they do something. The problem is what comes first, because Videotron's not going to make a move until that regulation happens, but it seems like the regulation's going to happen after, if it happens at all, it'll happen after the AWS 3 auction. So we have a situation where they've set aside 30 megahertz of spectrum for um, for new entrants, and those new entrants may not bid on it at all because they're they're prevented from bidding on it outside of areas where they currently have service, mm -hmm. but they also have less than 10% market share nationally. So it's like there are basically two players. There's Wind and Videotron that can bid on this, or Wind and Quebecor, and uh, Quebecor doesn't, or Videotron doesn't operate anywhere outside of Quebec. And Wind has no capital; they have no money. So they've we've we've posted a couple of times that Wind is actually looking to take on outside investment from a, a U.S.-based holdings company, and I hope they do because they need that money for the Spectrum auction. But uh, they could have been just as well served by investing in the 700 megahertz Spectrum auction, and they didn't. So yeah. who knows what's going to happen? Well, well, and again that. Uh potential influx of cash would also be dependent upon an understanding of the return from that, which would be like the money's got to be spent on something and no one's going to invest unless they know that the the cards will fall in place. So and I think this is something we've been tracking with the CRTC is where I, I feel they're, they are taking a measured and moderate approach, but it almost seems like if they just sat down and, and mandated how this was really going to play out, it would be simpler for everyone else. I, I have a, I have a, I'm really concerned that the, say, the agreement that uh, Bell is uh, signing in Manitoba is, will be enough to delay what Videotron is looking for simply because no, like, no, one's, no one's waiting. I guess the best corollary I have, which is really dumb, and if no one follows sports, this isn't going to make any sense, but in the NBA free agency, we just recently had LeBron James, the best player in the world, decide to switch teams. And every other team needed to sign major free agents. There was tons out there. No other team was willing to make a move until the first card of LeBron James fell, and then everyone else was snapped up. I feel like this is a similar situation where we might we might just see the whole thing fall flat on its face and whiff, and no no changes in developments simply because uh, the big three carriers have enough to to kind of defer significant decisions, which closes the window of opportunity for a company like Videotron. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I guess that's worst-case scenario for Canadians looking for... for the, both the Canadian government and Canadians looking for a, a fourth national carrier. But, All right, um, so, so let me play devil's advocate for a moment here. Okay. Yes, prices are high. They're higher than they were two years ago, three years ago. They are, they're actually quite obnoxious, I agree. But here's the thing. 
even if there's no new entrant or there's no major company that takes over as the as the national fourth carrier, even if Win Mobile continues as they are, the networks themselves are not going to get any worse. I mean, we have some of the best networks in, in the world. And I'm sorry if somebody if somebody decides to say to me, "Oh yeah, but you know, we pay more than than any other country to get those networks." That's fine, but I mean, other than Russia, we are the smallest, the biggest country with the uh, smallest uh, population density, um, except for these, you know, major uh, urban areas where we do have fourth a fourth carrier in every single region. So you know, we can't really say that there's no competition. It's just that there's not the kind of competition that we want. It's not the same competition that we find in Europe. So you know, when you or as you and I have talked about before, there is no T-Mobile equivalent here. We don't have that. You know, um, what, what's what's the CEO's name? T-Mobile oh, CEO. Uh, Jesus. Uh, Laguerre. John yes, Laguerre. We, we don't have a John Laguerre to like big us up and tell us tell all the other carriers off because we're Canada and we're far too polite. And even if we had a competitive fourth national carrier, he would still be more like Anthony Lacavera. He would take a very um, pointed and conservative approach when he speaks in public because that's just kind of the way that our businesses are. You know, that's that's just how we do. Shout out Canada. Okay, right. I get and, that. I think you have to split two things because you're you're totally right. And then we have to. We should maybe jump off this, and I I want to talk a little bit about the devices you are using. We are going to do some sexy device stuff. Um, but the, you, there there are two things here. Is uh, you're I don't believe, A, there's the competition argument and there's the fourth uh, national carrier. We're, a lot of this conversation is based upon the presumption that actually having a fourth national carrier will create a competitive environment for these companies. Where um, in, in having such a small, such a smaller subscriber base, um, the, a wind, Videotron, or whomever uh, amalgam will really look to be aggressive in growing their subscriber numbers. Like mm -hmm. that's the assumption. Might not happen. You know, a year from now, we they we can see a fourth national carrier and be like, oh hey, all the prices are the same, which relates back to the, the your your devil's advocate point, which makes me want to punch you in the face, um, <laughs> which is which is that having options is not the same as competition when the service and the pricing is exactly the same or so similar that. There's you're literally choosing uh, between colors, and and I get our networks compared to the U.S. are amazing, great. Whether that's money that the carriers are investing in having strong networks, or just the fact is, as you said, we're a much smaller population that's uh, much more urbanly dense than the United States, so it's easier to have cleaner, stronger networks with just less interference and congestion. Um, that still doesn't mean that the carriers can just sit there and look to to charge. Like we were going over the plans today, compared, you know, from 2009 to 2014 with the new sharing plans, you're paying more money for exactly the same thing with the assumption that you're going to share data between family members to offset the cost. Correct. And, you so know, it's a presumptive business model but one that has found success in the U.S. So that's the reason that they're emulating it. But that presumptive business model does have basis in fact because they found that most 
families share their uh, their wireless service. So it does make sense. Like me and you, like neither of us are are like we don't have families, we don't have kids, but eventually when that happens, that will be a competitive not a competitive, but a more I don't know, it, it would be an easier way to yes. delineate between different service options by saying, okay, I'm gonna spend fifty bucks a month per phone number and then I spend a hundred dollars on fifteen gigs of data and then I split it between those four numbers. That's that that actually makes a lot of sense. But it, the the problem is it only gets cheaper than it used to be when you have three or four numbers on that account. That's that's the main issue. Is that for individuals or for one or two people, it's it's inevitably going to be so expensive compared to what it was yes, beforehand. Yes, which, which is fine. And if and if a carrier wants to offer that, I get that. I see the benefit. But having three carriers offer essentially similar the same plans, you can't say that that's competition. It's it, it's a difference only in color. And you know, I okay. think the bigger thing with this is you know. Even even if uh, a fourth national carrier came through and offered similar pricing, like essentially the same thing, if they attempted to treat customers with a modicum of respect or, or change the approach, like having a carrier, having, you know, I think part of the, the uncarrier movement in the U.S., the, the idea that, you know, where's Canada's T-Mobile, isn't just necessarily in the pricing, the options. It's in the idea that they were actually trying to treat their customers like customers, like people that they had to win and earn their business. And part of that might be lip service. It might be a lot of CEO personality, but that stuff bleeds through. And you don't see in our three major carriers anything but general contempt for the people that are, are paying, you know, $100 a month for basic service. So oh. I, there, there are multiple levels to see this. Look, I there are multiple benefits to competition, and it's not just on pricing. No, obviously, I understand that. But, I mean, you have to look at it from... Okay, let's, let's use TELUS as an example. TELUS reported churn numbers at 0.9%, which is the lowest they've been in eight years. Yeah. If you say that they're not treating customers with respect, that means that the customers would be leaving, but they're not. They're actually staying, and they're staying longer and they're buying more phones, and they're spending more money. Their ARPU was up a dollar thirty over the pre of the, the same period a year ago. No, yeah, I did. I Telus mean, is the outlier. Like I think Telus, Telus's customer service is great. But I that's think, the I thing think. is that they are differentiating in some way. I mean, I, I look at it like I was trying to think of a of a good analogy, and I and I I guess I came across gas prices. Right, you don't give a damn where you fill up unless you have an incentive to fill up at a certain type of station, like. You know, if you have a, a an aeroplane card that works only at ESSO or if you have a, you know, a Petro Canada account that you want to build up loyalty points for or whatever. But Daniel, by and large... Contracts. I don't sign a two-year contract to only do. buy gas at, at ESSO. Like, but, you don't... Okay, but the thing is, you're separating the contract price from the... For, you're separating the device price from the, from the plan price, right? They're... You you have to do that because otherwise it doesn't sound it's it's not it's not a good uh, it's it's not a fair analogy. No no so, so no just let's 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 follow this through because I, I think it's uh, instructive to see the difference because if 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 the next day if if one day gas is at a certain price and the next day I go to the gas station that I normally use where I like the dude I can get my Timmy's coffee buy one for Ian head on my way 
Um, and, and the next day, they, they raise the price. I can make a decision then and there to basically say, whoa, they upped the gas price by 25 cents a, a, a liter, whatever. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the place down the, the down the road to see if that's it. That's just that's too rich for my blood. They don't say, hey, you know that gas that you've been paying for for six months or that you bought last month um, that you're locked in to pay. We're gonna now up the amount that you're paying for that for the next year, and there's nothing you can do about it because you signed a contract with us. But that's there's, exactly what they do with energy. They or or a mortgage. I mean, it's the same thing. If you sign a 30-year mortgage on a variable rate, you initially get a lower price with the um, with the assumption that it will either rise or fall depending on market conditions. Now, we're talking about it because we believe that market conditions should push down data prices. If it makes sense that the CapEx expenditures, that the, the CapEx that these companies are, are putting towards building networks follows through, at some point they will th there will be enough bandwidth and enough spectrum and enough towers and enough everything to l eventually push down prices. That hasn't happened. In fact, the opposite has happened. We were able to buy six gigs of data four or five years ago for less than, the, than we are today. But that doesn't mean that the actual quality of the service has gone down. So, you know, you're looking at it like um, if, if you pay for gas and you're buying Sunoco, they, they advertise way better gas, and you pay an extra cents or two for that, um, and it'll, it'll keep your car around longer, then that's something that you, that you've, that you work into the value proposition of, of going to Sunoco, right? I mean, I get, bull, so, bulldog power, you, it's cleaner energy. You pay more for that. It's like, it's like any product. You pay a premium for better service. I don't know if we're paying a premium for better service, though. But, but you, I, I but you are. That. I mean, let's, let's look at Rogers, okay? Let's look at the fact that Rogers owns more spectrum than Bell or TELUS. So theoretically, again, devil's advocate here, they have a 2,600 megahertz network that in certain parts of the country can reach speeds of over 100 megabits per second. Rogers is not charging customers more than Bell or TELUS for the same amount of data, but you're actually getting faster speeds with Rogers than you are with Bell or TELUS. In British Columbia, you may get way better service with TELUS because they have more towers. Mm -hmm. TELUS is not charging customers in British Columbia more than Rogers or Bell. So you, you have to figure that there are advantages to certain carriers depending on where you are in the country or which phone you have because Rogers has 2600 support and only some phones that have 2600 support and Rogers goes out of their way to push them. So, you know I, you know what I'm saying? Like, there are advantages to being with one carrier over another. With wind, you're paying half the price, but you're getting one quarter of the service. No, and I, so I understand that. And I, I guess what I would prefer to see is car carriers make those choices as part of, truly part of their value proposition rather than um, in, in Wynn's case, being logistically constrained from providing what they would like to, right? Uh, it, it's not a matter of their, hey, we're looking to undercut on pricing and services. Like, we actually want to provide better service. We just can't right now. Um, second, I, I think that if, you know, telecom is the industry that we cover, and it's, it's why we have a passion and a focus for it. And I, I definitely don't want to come across as I understand the, the requirements of, of businesses and in, in terms of making money and um, the the limits of 
competition in a capitalist environment. Uh, I, but I do think that if there's a reason why we have nationalized healthcare, <laughs> and if you were, you know, if your oh comparison God. is you the, just went to the, the insurance, no, because if you're if you're if points of comparison are uh, housing mortgages and insurance companies, and part of our telecom model is based upon following what the U.S. has done, and you see what <laughs> is going on with the the housing crisis in the U.S. as well as the problems that they had because they were unwilling to adopt a single-payer health insurance option. Mm -hmm. We don't want the telecom industry to be like those industries. I don't want your life. Yes, essentially. Um, okay. okay, I think I, I think we squeeze this through as much as we can until you know maybe until September until until this happens. But okay, no, no, no. Let, let me let me just let me just round it back to regulation because you actually make a good point. Okay, the banking system in Canada was by and large saved by uh, tougher regulations on banks during during the recession and, and during the mortgage crisis. Not that that didn't stop some of the banks like TD and RBC and CIBC from dabbling in those areas, and certainly they lost a lot of money as a result. But they did it outside of the country. Mm -hmm. Rogers, Telus, and Bell are working within the confines of current regulation. They're just taking advantage until a few until last week. Rogers was just taking advantage of the fact that they could negotiate exclusivity deals with uh, with the new the new entrants. They were allowed to, and they were and they the contracts. We don't know how long they lasted, but we presume they were five year contracts. And now those contracts are ending, and these companies are complaining to the CRTC that the exclusivity agreements are still allowed. So what did they do? They took those exclusivity agreements away. They took that option off the table. That is, that is a piecemeal solution to what the government feels. I, I, under, I know the government wants to regulate roaming in Canada. They have to, but they just have to figure out a way of doing it without harming the regional carriers that rely on the opposite of you know they rely on that those shared agreements with the bigger companies like Rogers to um, to offer national service. So MTS basically is saying, hey, listen, we know that we have really good service in in Manitoba, um, and we'll we'll give it to you, but then you have to give us really good service in every other part of the country. If you want to claim that you cover 98% of Canadians with HSPA Plus and LTE, then you have to provide us your HSPA Plus network at a really good price um, in other parts of the country. So Rogers is saying that it, that these unilateral uh, domestic uh, domestic roaming agreements that they have with companies like Wind are completely different than the bilateral agreements that they have with MTS because they don't get anything out of these unilateral agreements. So I understand that from a from a business perspective. Um, I get that. So wind is get, basically a leech. Yeah, but okay. So so they're they are taking advantage of ingrained logistics to the way the Canadian telecom industry is set up. I totally get that. I guess what I'm looking for is earlier this week I wrote about ethical app usage, and uh, yes, you did. Where where the where the user is required to like what what relationship a user has to both the applications that they use or the hardware that they use if we want to talk, um, you know, the hardware parts of the phones that we use and where they're sourced from, um, and the the companies behind them. One of the one of the companies that I brought up was uh, Chipotle, who has 
pursued uh, ethical food sourcing and seen not only their sales go up, but more customers go to it. I'm not saying that every company is going to pursue that approach. I just want to be a customer in a system where there's an opportunity for one of those companies to make that choice, to not always just take advantage of the rules as they're laid out and provide a different option. I just, I just want that company to be able to exist in that environment because if one company exists, there's an option for me, there's an option for others, and it actually might force some change. But if it, but if it is just a, a hegemony of three customers or three carriers taking advantage of the rules as they're laid out based upon you know, ingrained historical opportunities, splitting, you know, their subscriber numbers almost dead even within a million or a million and a half, you know, trading 30,000 customers back and forth every, every quarter. That's not, there's, there's, there's more, there's a, there's a better option there. And I think we should push for that. I think as consumers, we'd want it, uh, we'd benefit from it. And, um, it's it's the job of maybe the government to do as much as possible to allow for that environment to exist. Yeah, I I agree, but I also think you're being a bit naive because these are businesses and their responsibility is to their shareholders. Um, you it's know, amazing I, how much money you can make when when customers really want to give it to you. Yeah, I I I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, Rogers 3.0 is basically all about that. I mean, they haven't really done anything with it yet, but Guy Lawrence's idea is to make it a more customer-friendly company that's more integrated so you spend less time on the phone talking to five different CSRs because they're training one CSR to do five different jobs. I guess that's a good thing, you know, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I have a very different relationship with these companies than most Canadians. Most company, most Most Canadians hate these companies, but they're forced to deal with them. Yeah. I see I see both sides. I see the people working behind the scenes who do really good work and just try to to earn a good living and, and like they don't try to piss anybody off. They're not going out of their way to screw customers. No, they really, just, they, they really just want to do a you know do a good a job and get home. Um, and then when I talk to Rogers executives, all they want to do is be you know responsible to their shareholders and and, and you know Issue a, a sub, you know substantial dividend. Yeah, and, I, share, and shareholder responsibility is like a legal responsibility. It's not just something that they personally feel that they need to do. They're they're required by law to do that. I totally understand that, but we see examples in other situations where you can be responsible to your shareholders, where you can go in and put a good day's work. And, and I'm not attacking the individuals here, and, I, and that's why in the beginning I preface this, but I don't want to come off as 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 ranty. The the frustration is everyone's self interested and doing what works for them and and not taking a step further. We'll see if Rogers 3.0 is anything more than lip service. Obviously what what Bell's doing is with an eye towards the upcoming talks, but I, I you know, I am I am certainly naive, but if if you just accept the conditions as they're laid out, then we're just going to be spending our time every week talking about the same the same circumstances, right? So I understand it's a little naive to expect all of them to to take a different approach, but I just want an opportunity for one, and I don't think it's naive to expect that. I think it's 
capitalism demands it. Okay, fair enough. Um, all right, so we're about at an hour. We have a choice. We can continue talking about other things, or we can fulfill our promise and just end up, um, you know, in you know a, a good place with uh, with this time. So, uh, well, what, only, what do you want to do? The only thing that I even wanted to ask you about, um, you know, there's other things that we could talk about. But I just wanted you've been playing with some 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 cool hardware recently, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You've been do doing some reviews, you've been playing with the OnePlus One, but maybe we can save that for next week because this was just this was just straight Canadian carrier talk at the most yes, detailed level. So let's just, you know, let's just drop the mic and get out, see how people respond, and uh, next week can maybe be about fun hardware stuff. Yeah, alright, so let me, let me just let me just give you a preview. So I've been playing with the OnePlus One, I got the uh, 64 gig version, it's it's actually pretty nice. It's um, it's a 5.5-inch device. It runs CyanogenMod. Uh, it's pretty pretty slick. It's a really nice device, and uh, I'm happy with it. Um, what I will say, though, is that it's it's pretty expensive to import into Canada. So if you're looking to do that, I'm gonna I would suggest you wait until they get a better distribution partner because mm -hmm. DHL charges you like 80 bucks in in, in duty. Um, but it's a pretty competitive product, even even at the price. You know, I paid three fifty for this plus shipping plus duty, so it comes to about four four sixty. And um, I think it's very good. It's a better product than the Nexus Five. It's got a way better camera, better battery. Um, I've also been playing with the G three, and I reviewed it, and I got a lot of flack for giving it a low lower than average for a flagship lower than average score of eight point three. I really do think it deserves an eight point three. I think that it. It has a lot of issues that some of which can be corrected in in software, but you can't you can't review a product for what could be fixed later on in software. So um, I had to review the device I had today, and the device I had today deserves an 8.3, which I have to state is a pretty good score. I mean, it's an A minus. Like, who wouldn't be happy with an A freaking minus? I always so, was. Um, but yeah, and I think we, we talked about this before when you first got it. You know, uh, LG was saying. Isn't final software? Isn't final software? Isn't final software? But you know, uh, I it, did it, get a hardware. It, I did get a final hardware version. Yeah, but so, but you know, you review as is, and if it's a situation where they fix those things, then we'll we'll readdress it. But you know, as it stands right now, going out and purchasing one, that's you're you're looking at an eight point three, kids. Quit hating. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great product. So. Um, all right, well, we're going to leave it there for this week. I think this has been a really great podcast. Um, we will probably open it up to the public next week. I think that's going to be our next big thing, is uh, people have been asking us to do a live hangout, and they can ask questions using the Q&A functionality. So if you do want that, just let us know in the comments. Um, but uh, I think it'll it'll be fun. So, yeah, yeah let's do it. Doug, it'll, be, uh, it'll be more fun to talk about hardware and different apps and things like that than when there's just more questions. Um, and also, we're opening ourselves up to serious criticism the week after we talk about, like, detailed um, cell tower technology, because I'm sure you got, like, one thing wrong that, like, 50 people across Canada are just killing themselves about. Oh, um, totally. 100%. And we'll make sure to tell you next week. Okay. Well, if you do want to correct me, go for it. All right. Um... Well, that's uh, Syrupcast for this week. Thanks again, and uh, we will uh, talk to you next week. Peace Shout out, out Manitoba.
MTS, baby. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 